Hello. Thanks for listening to this Dharma podcast. I hope you consider that in accordance with the Buddhist tradition, all of my work as a teacher is offered without charge and supported entirely by donations only. If you'd like to support this work, you'll find a PayPal button on dharmapunksnyc.com. On our website, you'll find resources and a free sample from my Wisdom Publications book, Unsubscribe, which is available at bookstores and online retail outlets. Thanks for listening. Uh, the beneficial qualities of learning to unwind. So, um, uh, we, um, by the time we reach adult life, we develop a bulk of defenses to protect ourselves from uncomfortable affects, like emotions, as it were, unpleasant memories and antisocial impulses or impulses that would be um, poorly received from others and uh, especially those with insecure attachment the the less secure our early attachment structures in our family systems were the more likely we received messages of shaming or rejection or abandonment for natural emotions, feelings such as anger, assertiveness, fear, loneliness, needs for intimacy and connection and so forth. So um, to the degree also that we grow up in restrictive oppressive cultures, uh, whether they be uh, homophobic or racist cultures that also require or demand that people suppress natural impulses, uh, feelings, so that they can survive. Um, There's a, we develop a host of defenses to essentially uh, keep out of our awareness these unwanted feelings, emotions, or drives. the more we repress our affects, our, our feelings, our embodied states of being, the more we disconnect, uh, the greater time we spend in sympathetic nervous system activation, and uh, that leads to hypertension, chronic stress, and so forth. So the more people are capable of actually feeling, being aware, cognizant of emotions, the more likely they are to not only process their emotions, but to then stay in healthy states of the sympathetic, of the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest states of homeostasis, where you, well, I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. So what are these defenses that push or or keep out of our awareness unpleasant emotions, feelings, um, impulses, and so forth? Well, classically, there are a bunch of defenses that are listed in almost any uh, basic. I remember in college uh, getting the basic list of defense mechanisms. Some of them are pretty common. Uh, Denial. Denial is just not acknowledging negative information in one's life. For example, uh, people with anxious attachment constantly uh, stay in relationships where their needs aren't getting met and they deny 
awareness of the fact that the relationship that they're in is unhealthy for them, that they're never going to get their needs for intimacy met. Parents of addicts commonly deny the fact that their, their offspring have emotional issues that are self-destructive. People can also deny health concerns, uh, lingering symptoms, and so forth. So that's one way we keep, uh, we try to artificially keep out of awareness uh, negative emotions or thoughts and so forth. Another is repression. Repression is uh, an unconscious process where we block from, we block from arising natural, completely healthy emotional responses to certain events in our life. For instance, in our culture, many of us grow up in family systems where anger is shown to be dangerous or outright shamed by uh, family systems, and so we grow up to repress our anger, replace, replace it with fear or another masking emotion. And if you do that, then there's all kinds of behavioral dysfunction that follows because if you can't have feel anger, then you can't set boundaries in your life or uh, confront injustice. Um, uh, repression is also the way we keep compartmentalized traumatic memories and unpleasant memories from early uh, attachment relationships and so forth. Another way we, we block uh, unpleasant emotions through projection. Projection is when we attribute unacceptable thoughts, feelings to other people. Classically, uh, many men growing up in a homophobic culture such as our own uh, find their own same-sex attraction to be unacceptable and so they project their desires onto other people believing that it's not them who feel attraction towards men it's men who are attracted to them and then they are can enact um, their sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, their sort of negative views of, of uh, other men and so forth. Um, reaction formation is a classic. It's when we feel a strong emotion, it's unacceptable, so we block it and present the exact opposite emotion to other people to win acceptance. So, for instance, somebody who works at a job where they actively uh, are being abused by a supervisor or a work colleague might actually become even nicer, compliant, pleasant, trying to win over the affection of the person that's abusing them because they are terrified of allowing their anger or their, uh, their natural emotional response to be seen. Uh, displacement is when we take out an emotion not in the actual scene when it's been triggered, but displace it to a later time in another person. So, for instance, somebody who's abused in a job and then comes home and screams at their partner or their children or uh, their dog or whatever, and so forth. But tonight's topic, and perhaps in our culture, the most common way to block awareness of difficult feelings, emotions, impulses, is busyness. Chronic busyness. Rushing through life. Overscheduling. 
taking on too many commitments, failing to enlist or ask for help in situations, taking on trying to solve everything ourselves, an inability to prioritize, in other words, essentially decide that certain tasks are not necessarily should be on our mind and allow ourselves to just put things to the side. A uh, constantly checking for messages on phones and laptops, moving at a needlessly rushed pace, an inability to sit still and an ongoing restlessness that makes it feel very difficult to be in our own skin. All of these are culturally validated by our decaying capitalist culture, <laughs> which is on its <coughs> waning way out. Go Bernie. Uh, <laughs> or Elizabeth. I don't care. Either one, I'm happy. Um, but uh, they're validated, but frankly, um, they are forms of emotion suppression. What starts out as a means or a ritual of trying to get more done or trying to raise one's economic status or to achieve things in life very quickly becomes um, merged with a ongoing unconscious agenda to suppress awareness of embodied states of being, which are the ways we articulate our grief, our loneliness, our sadness, our frustrations, our disappointments, and so forth. So busyness, rushing through life, never stopping, never taking a time out or disconnecting from our agendas, uh, what the Buddha called bhavana, this constant urge to become and achieve, is uh, essentially sets us up for disastrous outcomes. Um, it's synonymous with chronic stress, uh, over secretion of cortisol, which is uh, the stress hormone, which is easily the most damaging hormone in the body. It was only meant uh, in terms of our evolution to be secreted for a very short period of time. But if you're a workaholic or if you're somebody who fails to put a natural rest stop in your days and you live constantly in these, uh, this essentially overscheduled, trying to constantly get from one situation to a next, to a next, to a next, uh, living in unresolved issues, uh, it impairs the ability to switch our nervous system from the sympathetic nervous, which is hypertension, mobilization, alert, uh, to the restorative, reparative states of your ventral parasympathetic, which is your rest, digest. It's uh, synonymous with the rest and digest state, the one we want to achieve, is synonymous with uh, where the vagal break switches on, so your heart rate slows. You stop secreting cortisol, so your immune system immediately functions better. Excessive cortisol actually damages your immune system, why people very often uh, break out in rashes and skin problems when they're under stress, because the first thing that goes 
is your ability to essentially ward off skin issues. Um, if we are constantly mobilized, we lose the ability over time to regulate our emotions. We become more reactive in interpersonal conflicts, and we are prone to classic withdrawal impulses, which means rather than face up to difficult situations or to work through interpersonal uh, challenges, we will be driven to essentially avoid, disconnect, hide, because we are constantly in a ongoing defensive state. So the Mayo Clinic writes uh, these wonderful online uh, articles about the benefits of unwinding and learning how to relax, which by all accounts is, is vital to one's reparative, uh, restorative capabilities as healthy diet and exercise and sleep. Um, of course, in our get things done culture, we validate, you know, staying active, exercising, which is, of course, fine. But we invalidate anything that has to do with even the whiff of uh, self-care in terms of relaxing, stopping, not being productive, taking a break. Um, Mayo Clinic knows how important, notes how important it is, and in quotes, improving digestion, immune function, maintaining healthy blood levels, reducing chronic pain, and improving memory formation due to better quality of sleep. Unwinding, it should be noted, is not just stopping and allowing your mind to wander wherever it wants. That is actually a very different state than unwinding. When we disconnect from external sensations and we allow our mind to wander, we go into a state called default mode operation. And two Harvard psychologists in a massive study uh, called a wandering mind is an, an, an unhappy mind noted that when we allow our minds to wander, we are actually more stressed out and more likely to be in the sympathetic nervous system than if we are immersed in awareness of our surroundings. Also, classically, default mode operation, or when you allow your thoughts to wander, triggers your amygdala, the stress, sent, well, the essentially the alarm structure of the brain. Um, and invariably, uh, those type of mind wandering eventually winds up on self-reflective thoughts. I, what's gonna happen to me in the future? What do other people think about me? Why aren't I succeeding more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The hub of the default mode is the, the ventral medial, and the ventral medial is the, the very hub of thinking about oneself in relation to others. So um, unwinding is not, again, allowing yourself to get lost in thought. It's very much the opposite. Unwinding is being immersed, as we'll talk about, in actually the present time sensations and using those sensations to disconnect from speculative, self-oriented thought or just thought for the sake of thinking. It's actually a state of observing and relaxing into a, an immersive situation rather than to add something to an experience by essentially thinking. 
Although we can use visualizations, that's fine. So how do we unwind? Well, there's a lot of research actually uh, in the polyvagal theory of Stephen Porges and so much clinical research. There's some wonderful books for uh, therapists that of course I've read, um, including uh, the polyvagal theory and therapy and Deirdre Fay's work. One thing is if you're moving to titrate, which means to walk slower, to actively focus on soothing present time sensations, like for instance, noticing trees or open sky or sensations of wind and to disconnect while we do so from any uh, story about things we have to get done or accomplish or unresolved issues in our life. And during unwinding, we very well might, whether it's through movement or sitting or relaxing on a couch, we might connect with the very emotions I mentioned at the front of this talk that we've been running from through busyness, through chronic uh, activity. And of course, so for instance, if we connect with underlying feelings of loneliness or grief or a sense of a lack of a purpose in life, or very often we'll connect with something that we mistake as boredom. In fact, my fervent belief is that boredom is exceedingly rare and most of us confuse underlying affects that are arising as boredom but really what we're experiencing is an underlying agitation associated with unresolved emotional issues from the past so Freud tells us that when um, and also the Buddha tells us as well that when repressed content returns and we become aware we start to become aware of it at first we will feel a kind of anxiety and it's very classic that when people first meditate or when they try to stop moving and try to relax they literally not only feel this restlessness in their body this agitation to move but this deep discomfort and feeling that something bad will happen if they come to a full stop or a pause in life. Of course, signal anxiety passes. The more we simply become aware and observe the feelings as they arise, naturally emotions pass on their own. They only linger and stay as this haunting presence in our life if we continuously push them out of awareness and block them from expressing themselves fully in our body. So neurologist uh, Stephen Porges gives a very, in his books, uh, talks a lot about what kind of situations allow us to unwind and relax. Um, he notes that the state of relaxation is not something that is largely or entirely conscious. 
it has significant components that are unconscious. Uh, his, he calls it neuroception. And the idea is that well before we become consciously aware of an environment or how we feel about a situation or a surrounding, unconsciously, we've already determined whether we're safe and we can relax and stop and come to uh, the higher setting of the nervous system, the, the relax and engage, or whether we will not feel safe. Certain environments, no matter how much we want to relax, will prevent us from achieving any state of soothing. Uh, in his research, um, he notes that uh, positive social safety cues can immediately help people relax. Eye contact, someone giving us a warm, inviting smile, soft voices rather than um, loud barks, uh, a, a rule, uh, somebody maintaining proximity but not too close that we feel engulfed. Um, certain things actually uh, make it very difficult to relax, even though uh, we all like music with deep thumping bass, I know I do, that's <laughs> what all my workouts at the gym are accompanied to, you know, some British electronic artist or another. But actually, low thumping frequencies actually encourage the neuroception or unconscious conclusion that we're unsafe. High frequency sounds have been shown to disrupt attention of present time sensations. We start looking for what's the source of the sound and random sounds, i.e. unfortunately being too close to a construction site or a loud environment where people are making sudden sounds induce literally states of the sympathetic nervous system. Physiological warmth, which means keeping your body slightly warmer and times even than you normally do has actually shown to activate the same neural circuits as interpersonal safety. Literally, when we receive a warm smile or an inviting look, it activates very similar positive neural regards in the anterior cingulate cortex and other, other systems of the brain as when we literally feel warm. And in, you know, some people I know these days get these heavy blankets and they immediately, I don't get it, but they, uh, <laughs> they immediately report that they find it very, very soothing and enveloping. Um, natural elements, human beings are primed to connect with signs of nature and um, the degrees to which we are deprived of seeing nature on a daily basis lack of natural stimuli activates greater mobilization states of the sympathetic nervous system and keeps us more likely in chronic stress. We prefer images of open landscapes, spaces with trees and water, and paths that invite us to wander into a new environment. In therapy, therapists will often increase the ability to relax and unwind by encouraging what's called pendulation. Pendulation is when, uh, if there's something going on in our life, a therapist will encourage, not explicitly, you won't know what's happening, but they'll encourage one you to, one, 
discuss or bring attention to the feelings or emotions that an event has caused, and then will subtly do something to restore a sense of safety, reorient you to grounding sensations in your surroundings, or to some positive reflection or some larger picture, and then pendulate back to the issue, and then back and forward, so that emotion integration becomes possible in a soothing way. Um, Unwinding in therapy often involves autogenic, like it does in Buddhist practice, what's called autogenic relaxation. Autogenic means using internal and external sensations that you don't have to seek out. They're always available to create what's called safety cues that allow you to essentially restore yourself to homeostasis. So what are they? Well, the most obvious is soothing visualizations of places that in your past where you've been able to relax and unwind, soften, to essentially uh, give yourself permission not to think about things in the future. Long exhalations engage the vagal break. Your vagal break is the ability of your vagal nerve to slow down your heart rate, and to essentially switch you into a calmer state of the nervous system. The longer your exhalations, the more you switch on the vagal break and you also release acetylcholine. Uh, The more you you emphasize your in-breath, on the other hand, you engage your sympathetic and you release adrenaline. So while having deep gulping in-breaths that are rapid can be useful when you're exercising or running for your life. Uh, If you want to relax, the longer the exhalations, the better. (coughs) Paired muscle relaxation is key to unwinding. What that means is tensing a muscle, which we'll do, and then relaxing it. Well, why do we tense it? That seems to be actually contraindicative, but actually, interestingly enough, muscles that are tensed and then relaxed become more relaxed than if we never tense the muscles to begin with. And studies show that if you tense a muscle and then relax it, that muscle then in the future requires less oxygen than a muscle that you never tensed. And guess what? If your muscles require less oxygen than your heart moves slower. If your heart moves slower, your heart rate literally determines along with your vagal nerve whether you will be in rest and digest or constantly in hypertension or mobilization states. Grounding is uh, where we drink in sensations of our either internal state or our environment. So for example, grounding and therapy, if somebody's activated or triggered, we might, <clears throat> for example, drink in four uh, sounds in the current environment, and then four different colors, and then four different feelings that you can sense directly. You know, you actually, with your clothes, your feet on the ground, and so forth. And then they'll do three sensations, three colors, three feelings, and then two, and so forth. (coughs) Now finally, most meditations in the Buddhist canon, not all, are slightly different from unwinding. Most meditations either, one, focus on developing concentration, 
which allows us to chain states of bliss or the jhana states. And we develop concentration by keeping in mind a single sensation like the breath or a single theme like a loving kindness phrase, may I be happy, peaceful, free of stress. May all beings be happy, peaceful, free of stress. Other meditation uh, most commonly are mindfulness. Mindfulness are meditations that essentially focus all our our attention to internal sensations, but there's a very rigorous uh, set of steps we go through. First, we pay attention to the breath, then to feelings, then to states of the mind, etc. In uh, uh, unwinding or relaxing, we do not have to have these rigid agendas. You can allow your mind to move where it wants so long as it doesn't get caught up by stories. There are two meditations in the Buddhist canon that are very, very overlapping with unwinding. The first is the Buddha's teaching of themeless awareness where he first has people focusing on natural sensations and then sensations of the earth and then sensations of space around them and then he says to allow the mind to simply become aware of anything that grabs its attention without becoming immersed or uh, essentially identifying with it. This is essentially the same as Sayada Utejaneya, a roughly contemporary monk who teaches what he calls natural awareness. And for Sayada Utejaneya, I'm sorry, um, he talks, he says that unlike in most Buddhist meditations, it doesn't matter what you pay attention to, so long as it's not thought. Anything else is fine. And the most important thing is simply to be aware of what you're focusing your attention on. So the sole instructions for his meditation is know what your mind is paying attention to. So if it's paying attention to a sound or a feeling or a body sensation or a sudden image that comes to mind or anything, so long as you don't get lost in thought, just be aware of what your mind is paying attention to. So that's a talk on unwinding, why it's important, and different ways to do it. And now, so that I hopefully will imprint some of this, we're actually going to do all of the techniques in a meditation or an unwinding session, as it were, that I mentioned in the talk. So thanks for listening, and just allow yourself to get really comfortable. And I just want to remind you that at the end, uh, whenever you leave to help clean up and to help support the meaning by throwing money in the basket, so we can pay for the use of this space. All right, so closing the eyes and Just allow yourself to, if you want, stretch. Remember, when we clench muscles, they actually relax better than if you never move them at all. So rotating the head is good. We'll actually do a couple of things in unison, but just whatever you need to do right now. And then with your eyes closed,
With a nice full in-breath, lift your shoulders up really high and then rotate them back. And then as you breathe out, drop your shoulders. And when you pull your shoulders slightly back, it opens up the chest. When you do that, it'll engage the vagal break. Leaves lots of room for the movement of energy in the body. We don't want to cut off. Very often when we're lost in thought and we become, we lose embodied awareness, we start to clench all the muscles in the shoulders, the chest, the back, and we cut off the natural flow of energy and emotion in the body. So we don't want to do that. And we want to focus on breathing into the belly at first. When we breathe into the chest, mobilizing. When you breathe into the belly, active belly breathing, you actually engage, relax. It's a way of informing the midbrain that you're not under any attack. When people are sleeping or very relaxed, you'll notice their breath articulated and the movement of the abdomen. The abdomen expands with the in-breath and then softens with the exhalation. So, for a little while, let's just incline the in-breath to be, to be full, but the out-breath to be long and soothing. <coughs> and try to feel your belly expanding like a balloon when you breathe in, and then as you breathe out, just feel this subtle softening and this movement of energy down. So when you breathe in, you feel energy move from the expanding belly up to the chest. And when you breathe out, a very long, slow, soothing release.
So what we now want to do is immerse ourselves in sensations to ground and to incline the mind away from wandering off in thought. Sensations help to anchor awareness So first, let's just practice locating four sounds that are present. Could be sounds of traffic, shifting in the room, my voice, other human sounds, Try to bring out the observing of the mind that can just be aware of our surroundings. find four contact sensations with clothing, with a cushion or chair, And now, if you like, bring to mind an image of a soothing location, one either you've been to that you associate with ease and comfort. And if possible, let it be a natural environment with open space, Perhaps a beach, a lake, a trail, a hammock and a mountainside, rolling hills. If no place comes to mind, just visualize one entirely from your imagination. Construct a soothing, settling, natural image.
So from now on, just allow your mind to attend to any sensation, external or internal. If any image appears in the mind, that's fine. Even if a simple thought arrives, that's fine. The key is to always know what you're paying attention to. Right now my mind is... So even if a thought arrives, we don't get lost in it. We just observe it, note it, allow it to pass. Unlike many insight meditations where we always return to the breath, your mind can go wherever it wants. Simply know where your mind is. Right now my mind is paying attention to you. Put no effort in. Don't try to accomplish anything. Don't try to achieve anything. Do the opposite. Just relax. Be present. If something comes up that's a difficult feeling, just breathe with it, allow it to arise. Then find a soothing sensation to pay attention to. Again, where is my mind right now?
no effort. If you find any part of this difficult, just let go. Just relax into the present. You don't have to do anything. Just be immersed in this moment, this experience, landing fully in our life. Ayakemo said, nothing to do, nowhere to go. No one to be. If there's some feeling or sensation that feels restless, that doesn't want you to relax, just soothe it, breathe into it. Find the part of your body that doesn't want to settle and just soften it. Encourage it to release. Right now, everything you need is here. You're missing nothing. Nothing about you is incomplete. You don't need to do anything to deserve to relax.
the final few minutes, just allow any resistance to just being present and comfortable, any resistance to that, to just be put aside and just allow yourself to do whatever it takes for you to just settle comfortably into this moment, putting aside any concerns, and if there's any area in your body that just, again, doesn't want to settle, just breathe into it. Just ask it for these final few minutes just to release. Drinking in all the sounds, all the feelings, turning away nothing.
spell in a moment. I'm going to ring the bowl and when you hear the sound, it'll be tempting just to open your eyes and look around the room, but try to first look at the ground in front of you, integrate sight into your awareness in such a way that it doesn't dominate and try to incline your attention to soothing sensations. Try to keep any state of settledness that you've achieved. 